The views and opinions expressed by various contributors to 98.5 CKWR and its radio programs are their own and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of 98.5 CKWR Wired World, Inc., its broadcasters, staff, or volunteers. Listeners are urged to use their own discernment and draw their own conclusions. Good morning, my name is Rob Daniels and welcome to Visions and Sound. Now for those who may be joining me for the very first time, Visions and Sound is a movie, TV, and video game soundtrack program that I produce each and every week right here on 98.5 CKWR. Well here we are, show number 9 of 2022 and show number 1114 if you're keeping track that way. Well this week we conclude, yes, conclude February. Where has the year gone so far? with a look at the Mad Max saga. Now, Mad Max started as a 1979 Australian-produced dystopian action thriller directed by George Miller. A very young Mel Gibson stars as Mad Max Raktansky, a police officer turned vigilante in the near future of Australia in the midst of societal collapse. Now, the film initially slipped under the radar in North America. Many people, including myself, did not see it until it hit pay TV and later late night cable TV. In fact, many people believed that The Road Warrior was the first Mad Max film and that that Max spoke with an American accent since the initial release of the film was redubbed to lose those Aussie accents. Now, director George Miller was initially a medical doctor in Sydney, working in in a hospital emergency room where he saw many injuries and deaths of types he depicted in the film. Interesting way of being inspired. He also witnessed many car accidents growing up in rural Queensland and lost at least three friends to accidents as a teenager. Now, according to Miller, his interest while writing Mad Max was a silent movie with sound employing highly kinetic images reminiscent of Buster Keaton and Harold Lloyd, while the narrative itself is basically basic and simple. Miller believed that audiences would find his violent story more believable if set in a bleak dystopian future. 
Now, the music score for Mad Max was composed and conducted by Australian composer Brian May. And before you ask the question, no, not that Brian May, not the guitarist of the English rock band Queen. Miller wanted a gothic Bernard Herrmann's type score and hired May after hearing his work for Patrick from 1978. With the little budget we had, we went ahead and did it and spent a lot of time on it, said May. Uh, George was marvelous to work with, and he had a lot of ideas about what he wanted, although he wasn't a musician. Now, a soundtrack album was released in 1980 by Varese Saraband. So the story of Mad Max taking place in a dystopian Australia of the future. Mad Max tells the story of a highway patrolman cruising the squalid back roads that have become the breeding ground for criminals, foraging for gasoline and scraps. After some grisly events at the hands of a motorcycle gang, Max sets out across the barren wastelands in search of revenge. As mentioned before, the score was written by Brian May and was released on the Varese Saraband label. So here is some music from the 1979 film Mad Max.
And with a little bit of music from the 1979 film Mad Max, that's music by Brian May. And I'll say it again, no, not that Brian May, the guitarist from Queen, no, a different Brian May. So if you're interested in any of the film, television, or video game music that I do play here on the show, by all means, you can contact me at, of course, visionsinsound at gmail.com. You can try me online at facebook.com slash visionsinsound. I'm on the Twitter at visionsound. You can also try me on my website, visionsinsound.ca. I'm also on Good Pods and Apple Music, and there are other podcatchers that you can find me on as well. Just type in Visions and Sound and you'll be able to find them that way. I have several several back shows going back to at least last year. So um, have a listen. You may want to hear some back shows as well. Now this show will, will show up on Good Pods and Apple Music in probably about four or five hours time. So just be, just be aware that, that, uh, if you want to hear other, like if you want to hear the other, the other portion of this show that you, you may have missed, if you're just joining me now, then, um, you know, you can hear it a little bit later on, either on my website or on good pods and Apple music. So welcome back to visions and sound as this week, we are looking at the Mad Max saga. So after the cult success of the first film, Mad Max two released as road warrior in the United States and Canada was released in 1981 and was an Australian post-apocalyptic action thriller directed again by George Miller. It is the second installment in the Mad Max franchise with Mel Gibson reprising his role as Mad Max, of course. The film, the film's tale of a community of settlers who, move, who moved to defend themselves against a roving band of marauders of the archetypal Western frontier motif, uh, motif as does Max's role as a hardened man who rediscovers his humanity rather, when he decides to help the settlers. Mad Max 2 was released to widespread critical acclaim. Viewers praised the visuals and Gibson's role. Noteworthy elements of the film also include cinema, uh, cinematographer Dean Smellers, this, that's the guy's name, widescreen photography of Australia's vast desert landscapes, the sparing use of dialogue, costume design, Norma Morseau's punky mohawked bikers wearing leather bondage gear, its fast-paced, tightly edited battles, battle and chase scenes, and Brian May's musical score to for Mad Max 2. Now, uh, the score for Mad Max 2, of course, was again released on the Varez Saraband label. So here is some more music or actually more music from the Mad Max saga, but this, in this case, music from Mad Max 2, or also known as The Road Warrior. So here is The Road Warrior or Mad Max 2, I guess, you, whatever you want to call it, back in a bit.
And with a little bit of music from the 1981 film Mad Max, or... Oh yes, I forgot about this particular... Wild, wild sounds from the uh, from from the, the 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 CD. I'd forgotten about that. Let the CD go. In any case, welcome back to Visions and Sound. Is this week we're looking at the Mad Max saga. So this film, the film, of course, Mad Max, um, the Road Warrior, again a commercial success, grossing double of what Mad Max had done, the first Mad Max. Uh, with an Australian record of $5.4 million, with a final gross of $10.8 million in Australian dollars. Despite beating Mad Max's record, it was the highest grossing Australian film of the year, of the, of the year in Australia, with Gallipoli, which was actually um, Mel Gibson's, I believe it was his first film, um, grossing $11.7 million. Now, as mentioned before, the, the film was renamed Road Warrior in the United States, but outperformed Mad Max uh, in the United States with a gross of $23.6 million, earning theatrical rentals of $11 million. Now, unheard of numbers in those days. When Mad Max was released in 1980 in the United States, it did, it did not receive proper release from the distributor, American International Pictures, and was in the final stages of change of ownership before being bought by Filmways Incorporated a year earlier. AIP's problems affected the release of the film and its box office in the U.S. Now, Warner Brothers decided to release Mad Max in the United States, but they recognized that the first film was not popular in North America. Although the original Mad Max was becoming popular through the cable showings, as I mentioned earlier, that was where I actually first got a chance to hear to to see Mad Max, and to hear that Mel Gibson was Australian. He had an Australian accent, which was weird. Warner. Uh, so, although the original Mad Max, or sorry, uh, Ronda Brothers decided to change the name to the sequel to The Road Warrior. The advertising for the film, including print ads, trailers, and TV commercials, did not refer to the Max character at all and shied away from the fact that the film was a sequel. A third film, while not guaranteed, it was always conceived as a trilogy, the Mad Max films. So Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome was the Mad Max film made without producer Byron Kennedy, who was unfortunately killed in a helicopter crash in 1983 while scouting locations for the film. Now, while the film was in development before Kennedy's death, director George Miller was hesitant to continue without his producing partner. Uh, and Miller says, I was reluctant to go ahead. And there was sort of this need to let uh, uh, sort of this need to let's do something to get over the shock and grief of it all. Uh, the title card at the end of the film reads for Byron. Now, Miller ended up co-directing the film with uh, George Ogilvie with whom he had worked with on the 83 miniseries of The Dismissal. I had a lot on my plate, said Miller. I asked my friend George Ogilvie, who was working on the miniseries, could you come and help me? I don't remember the experience because I was just going, I was going to just, you know, I was grieving. Um, together, Miller and Ogilvie used a group workshop rehearsal technique that they had developed. Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome proved far more challenging than Road Warrior, and the, the cinematographer said, we were dealing with more varied environments than before, and that was essential for each of the worlds created for the film, having distinctively different looks. 
Now, the score for Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome was composed by Maurice Jarre, replacing Brian May, who composed the, the music for the previous two films. The film also contains two songs performed by Tina Turner, We Don't Need Another Hero, and One, and one of the Living, the latter replacing Jarre's opening titles, opening title music. <clears throat> so after being exiled from the most advanced town in the apocalyptic Australia, a drifter travels with the group of abandoned children to rebel against the town's queen, played by Tina Turner. A soundtrack album was originally released by Capitol Records in 1985. It included Turner's We Don't Need Another Hero, which uh, was actually really reached, bleh, reached number one in Canada, number two in the United States, and number three in Britain in the British singles charts. It plays over the ending credits. Now, One of the Living was recorded for single release and reached 15 in Canada and US, but only 55 in Britain. The song also won a Grammy for Best vocal, best Rock Vocal, a double CD containing only Jarre's original music was issued in 2010 by Tadlow Music, under this, also under the Silver Screen Records label. However, today you're going to hear the music from the GNP Crescendo album first released. So here is music from Beyond, uh, Mad Max, Beyond Thunderdome. Actually, Maurice Jarre calls this Max of Arabia or something along those lines, I seem to recall. So here is music from Mad Max, Beyond Thunderdome.
I just remember wherever you were in 1985, you heard that song. I just, for some reason, it was just, it seemed to be just everywhere. That's music from the 1985 film, uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Well, welcome back to Visions and Sound, as this week we are looking at the Mad Max saga. So in 1987, George Miller had uh, came on the idea by making uh, the fourth installment have an almost continuous chase. However, plans for the fourth installment of Mad Max franchise hit financial difficulties, and the project spent several years in what is known as development hell. With the idea of a fourth installment occurred to Miller in 1998 when he was walking in an intersection in Los Angeles. About a year later, while traveling from Los Angeles to Australia, the idea coalesced. Miller conceived a story where violent marauders were fighting not for oil or material goods, but for human beings. The film was set to shoot in 2001 through 20th Century Fox, but was postponed because of the September 11th attacks that same year. The American dollar collapsed against the Australian dollar and the, our budget ballooned, Miller said, adding, to, adding that he had to move on to happy feet because there was a small window when he, um, there was a small window when that was ready. Mel Gibson, who had starred in the original three p- previous films, would not return to, to his role as the lead character. Miller ended up recasting the role because controversies surrounding Gibson, surprise, surprise, and because he wanted Max to remain a younger age as the same contemporary warrior. The project was finally given the green light to begin filming in the Australian desert in May of 2003 with a budget of about $100 million. But the location was ruined by, by rainfall. Mad Max 4 then entered hiatus in light of security concerns to its Namibian shoot because of the tightened travel and shipping restrictions on the onset of the Iraq war. Flash forward to November of 2011. Filming was moved from Broken Hill back to Namibia after unexpected heavy rains, again with the rains, caused wildflowers to grow in the desert of Broken Hill. Yeah, we can't shoot in the desert. There's all these wildflowers. How can we shoot in the desert? Uh, Other potential locations scouted included uh, a, a desert in Chile, and Tunisia and Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan. Now, in in July of 2014, interview at San Diego Comic-Con International, Miller said that he designed the film in storyboard form before writing the screenplay, working with five storyboard artists. It came out to about 3,500 panels, almost the same number of shots as the finished film. He wanted the film to be almost a continuous chase, with relatively little dialogue, which is what he got, actually, to have the the visuals come first. So, Mad Max, Fury Road. In a a post-apocalyptic wasteland, a woman rebels against a tyrannical ruler in search of her homeland with an aid of a group of female prisoners, a psychotic worshipper, and a drifter named Max. The music score for Mad Max Fury Road was written by the Dutch composer Junkie XL, also known as Tom Holkenborg. Prior to Junkie XL's involvement, Hans Zimmer, John Powell, and Marco Beltrami were attached at separate times to score the film. Now, soundtrack was released for the album on the Water Tower music label 
on the 12th of May, 2015. So here is music from Fury Road, Mad, or sorry, Mad Max Fury Road, as we're looking at the Mad Max saga. I'll be back in just a bit.
No, I do remember watching this this film in theaters and just being absolutely exhausted by the end of the film. And just the 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 music on top of everything else. I mean, the frenetic pace of the editing was just absolutely amazing, but at the same time it really wore you out. In any case, that's all for me this week. Thanks for hanging in those that did. Now, as we continue into 2022, I hope as you're getting on with your day that you realize just how awesome you are. Never let anyone tell you any different. If you're ever not feeling right, there are people out there that are willing to help and do care about you and are willing to chat. If not family, then some professional who can help. As Rocky said, nobody hits harder than life. I know from personal experience how hard it is for me to sit behind this mic week after week when I feel like no one's listening. I would never have made it this far without the support of a huge team of people behind me. If you or someone you know is in crisis and needs help, resources are available. In case of an emergency, please call 911 for immediate help. The Canadian Association for Suicide Prevention, Depression Hurts, and Kids Helpful at 1-800-668-6868 all offer ways of getting help if you or someone you know may be suffering from mental health issues. Well, join me next week as I kick off March with the 25th anniversary of the fifth element. I'll end off this week's show with some more music from Mad Max Fury Road, and I will be back next week with more Visions in Sound.